After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. Since making his television debut on Sunday night at the London Palladium in 1963, Jimmy Tarbuck has become one of the icons of British light entertainment with his soft Liverpudlian lilt and cheeky chappy sense of humour. Often described as the fifth Beatle, Jimmy was one of the leading products of the Merseyside explosion during the early 60s. Yet his passion for golf has brought him into contact with some of the most prolific figures of the 20th century and has made him part of the showbiz establishment. I was interested to hear from the man himself and get his take on an unparalleled career in entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jimmy Tarbuck. So there's many questions I've always wanted to ask you. I suppose the first one is, coming from Liverpool at that time must have been a huge pull for producers. What was it like becoming famous at the same time as many of your friends? Well, the thing about any success I've had, it all started when I was young, and that is great, because you have the energy and the strength and, and, and everything to, to get in and do it that you don't have when you get older. And of course, the Beatles put a lot of publicity into Liverpool and people like Scylla, Jimmy Tarbuck, uh, Jerry Marsden, The Searchers, Swinging Blue Jeans and some other good groups. The Undertakers were a very popular group in Liverpool. And over from Manchester, we had Wayne Fontana and the Mindbenders and the Hollies. It was mainly music. And they, and as you know, the Beatles uh, just changed music. They were the next really big thing after Elvis. Take us back to late 1963 when you made your television debut on Sunday night at the London Palladium, then presented by Bruce Forsyth. How did this appearance change your life? Well, it was October the 27th, a Sunday night. On October the 26th, I was in a club in Manchester that night. I came off the stage, got in the car and drove through the night to London, slept in the car and then went to the Palladium at 11 o'clock the next morning. I was very nervous. The top of the bill was a Latin American band leader, Xavier Cougat. His wife was Abby Lane, and they were topping the bill. And I had uh, six minutes, but I did nine. We overrun. They had to cut a song out because uh, uh, I had overrun on them. So I went in and apologised, and the next morning uh, it had all broke. I was on the front of all the papers, and it was... Very, very exciting. But in those days, of course, different to today, there were only two television uh, programmes, BBC or ATV. There was no Sky, no BBC Two, Three and Four and all that. And so the viewers in those days, they would get regularly 22 million people watching the show if their favourites were on. And all of a sudden I was on it and it just did change my life totally. And 50 years or so later now, I look back and I think, dear God, where has all the time gone? But it was most enjoyable. And then, uh, then I hosted the show in 65. And then I hosted it again, which I loved in the 80s. 
And the only sad part of that was that Tommy Cooper died on one of the shows. That was from Her Majesty's, and that was a very sad night. No one knew he died. They were roaring, laughing at him. And, um, but the memories are just wonderful because of the people I've worked and met with. I would never have met Elvis. I would never have met Sinatra. I would never have worked with Tom Jones, Shirley Bassey, Glenn um, Campbell, wonderful ballet dancer, Rudolf Nureyev, opera singers, uh, you know, uh, Placido Domingo and Jose Carreras. It was just wonderful being with these people, as well, of course, with all the great comedians. Les Dawson, Ken Dodd, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, and then our ladies, of course, Shirley Bassey, the great Judy Garland, Dusty Springfield, Scylla. They were just very heady, very happy days. In 1965, you began a two-year stint as host of Sunday Night at the Palladium, making you one of the biggest stars on British television. How did you cope with that level of fame? Well, with the help of people around me who taught, taught me how to handle it, like Harry Seacombe and Frankie Vaughan and uh, Dickie Henderson, nice, nice people, Max Bygraves, and they all gave me tips and advice. And Seacombe said a lovely thing. He said, it's very nice to be big, but you don't have to be very big to be nice. And I thought that was a lovely saying, and I've abided by that, and I've taught my children that, and... Uh, We've just been, as my family goes, very lucky that I got the break and very lucky that my mum and dad saw it, my sister and brother saw it, and of course Pauline and the kids have all seen it. Lovely. Unfortunately, I'm too young to remember shows like Tarby at 10 and the Jimmy Tarbuck show, but I imagine it's a great feeling when you head up an entertainment series like that. Well, it, the, the beauty is, is who you attract onto them to, you know, the big stars at the time in the musical industry wanted to plug records. So you'd get them on there as you would with the comics. And that's where I met Ronnie Corbett. And that became a, uh, a lifelong friendship. We did his um, memorial in Westminster Abbey. And I was honored to be asked to say a few words about him. He was a tremendous small man, five foot two, but 10 foot of talent. Wonderful. I suppose what first made you appeal to someone like me was your pally relationship with people like Scylla, Bruce and Parky. How has this benefited your appeal? Well, I can't answer that because I don't, I don't know what the appeal is. I don't know why it happens. And if I did know, I would uh, bottle it and put it in a big jam jar and sell it. But um, the public have been wonderful to me. In 2016, your old friend, Sir Michael Parkinson, presented you with a Variety Club Lifetime Achievement Award. I imagine that was a very special night. It was a glorious evening at the Hilton and uh, all, all my family were there. And so it was just lovely to be recognised and very kind of them. And Michael uh, presented it and it was just a lovely evening, yes. One of a list of delightful memories that I've got. On a similar subject, what's the secret of your relationship with Kenny Lynch? He owes me money. <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we just got on. We just clicked. I worked with him the other night. He's still singing great. And he's a very easy guy to work with. He can drive you mad at times. Uh, he's not a very good time keeper at getting to places. But he's just a great friend. The children, uh, he's Uncle Kenny. 
you know, family. That's the word I'm looking for. He's family. Now, in 2015, Britain lost a giant of entertainment. As one of her closest and oldest friends, what is Scylla's legacy? Well, she was Liverpool's answer to Cinderella. It's as simple as that. She was the little girl who made good and made good in great style. Great style. You know, and uh, she never wanted to get old. So there's a bit of, bit of Peter Pan about her there. And, uh, and she didn't. She died far too young through an accident of falling over. And we all miss her. Big Bessie from Bradford. Ah. Discuss. <laughs> I don't. I don't. She'd kill me. Yes. That's something very private. Yes, dear God, that was the thing. Parky said that to me on my evening with... She sends her regards. Big Bessie from Bradford. God bless her. Personally, as a wannabe comedy historian, one of the most bizarre things is the way you were treated throughout the 80s by the alternative comedy section of entertainment. Why do you think you personally were targeted in this way? Putting you in the same bracket as Bernard Manning and Stan Boardman was not only factually incorrect, but I imagine quite hurtful. Not really. Where are they now and where am I? What are they all doing? Quiz shows, which they, they uh, criticised me for. No, it just made me laugh. I look at some of them. Some of them are funny. Some of them are not. Peter Kay never said a word about me. Very, not because not I rate him as a comic. John Bishop, a very good comic. You know, good guys. I mean, the ones who knew didn't. And some of them have come up, in fact, and apologised. I said, that's okay. Doesn't bother me at all. As an accomplished entertainer like yourself, are you ever a little frustrated that there isn't formats to showcase all-around entertainment anymore? Well, yes, I am. I mean, there's not those, there is not those shows anymore. And there's only one word because of it. Money. What they cost. And yet they spend millions on these, these beautiful old, old um, fashioned pieces, Downton Abbey, uh, Poldark, all wonderful shows. But all the money will go that way. Not a lot will go to light entertainment, which is a pity because there's got to be another Les Dawson out there somewhere who I loved. I thought he was a fine comic. How did it feel when Liza entered the world of showbiz? What were your emotions? Um, encouragement. She was never discouraged and I told her it was hard and it is. And she's doing very well. I'm very proud of her. She handles the Tarbuck name very well because it can't have been easy being the daughter of, but she's handled it great and I'm very proud of her. We all are, the family is. In the 90s, you returned to television with the game show which combined two of your passions, golf and comedy. How fun was it to present Full Swing? Yeah, it was okay. Wasn't the greatest of shows, but it was an idea where they wanted me to do a bit of golf and all that, but it was okay. It wasn't as enjoyable as a winner take all, because part of uh, the golf one, it was too complicated. And they've got to make them simple in that. The simple ones win. And Bruce Forsyth was the best push and shove compere of quiz shows, and Bob Monkhouse was e easily the best at, uh, you know, just presenting them. Hi, welcome to Bob B. You only. The words about Bob Bomb. Brilliant. Very good comic. Big fan of. Your audience with remains my favourite episode of the long-running series. That's nice of you. Nowadays, ITV seems to make them for every star who wants to plug something. 
But 20 years ago, what sort of honour was it to be asked to host your own audience with? Well, it was, it was wonderful with the company I was in. And uh, they put it out on a uh, DVD and it outsold, all, it outsold all of them. So I was just thrilled about that. And I enjoyed doing it. It's nerve-wracking nerve walking on and seeing all those people in the audience. People who you've you know, admired, people who you're a fan of and things like that. It's just difficult. But very enjoyable, I must emphasize that. But I've loved show business and I love it. I don't like the traveling because there's too many cars on the road. But everybody could tell you that. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. But uh, once I'm at the venue, I really enjoy my work. I've been doing a tour with Des O'Connor. And it's just been lovely to work with him. Lovely shows to do. The theatres are packed. And you just say, let's go on and have some fun. And it's smashing. Looking back at your career, what's your greatest achievement? Never been asked that, so um, personally do you mean this? In your work? Right, in my work. Well, I suppose being called upon to do 15 royal shows. I don't know if anybody else has done that many. And I've enjoyed doing them and introducing people on them. Personally, uh, as a man, would be helping to raise a lot of money for people less fortunate than myself. A lot of them were, uh, you know, children's homes, uh, old age people, um, homeless people, people who are who are uh, handicapped. Putting these buses on the road that make these children, like Josh, mobile. So that's given me a great, great self-satisfaction doing that. It has, and being, when asked to be called upon, and, you know, the, the 100th Royal Show, they said we want Bruce, Jimmy, Ronnie, and Des. Well, I was thrilled to be in that four. And then the finale, we all came on together at the end, the four of us. And the audience just stood, and it was, I said, I said to the guys, I said, let's enjoy this. This won't happen again. And unfortunately, it can't now. But it was a glorious evening. And that was one big memory night. Doing Judy Garland's last television show was a very big occasion for me. Appearing with Bob Hope in America and with Jackie Gleason, a great American comedian, appearing with them. And the friends I've made, and they're, they're, they're close friends. A lot of them are sportsmen. Scoring a goal at Wembley, that's a big... Male satisfaction, but just that life's been very good and very. I'm very fortunate, and yeah. I, I do give thanks all the time to that. You scored that goal against David Frost. I certainly did, and I was chuffed. There was a slight discussion who was going to take the penalty. Bobby Moore was on the beach. There was no doubt who was going to take it. Was the Jimbo? I said no, Bob. I can assure you, it was lovely. Who was on the other team playing? Uh, Terry Neal, amongst one, a lot of ex-footballers, you know. There's 100,000 in there. It was cup mm. final day. And it was most enjoyable for someone who loves football to, to tread the uh, hallowed turf of Wembley in a proper match. It was enjoyable. And to mm. score, well, that goes in my memory bank. How many people can say that they've scored a goal at Wembley, eh? Yeah. Thrilled. Just one more question for yes, you. Yes, sir. How do you think you'll be remembered? Uh, with a lot of people, Lucky Jim.
with those who know and who I look up to as a good professional. And that will do me. It's been uh, a wonderful fairy tale ride. And I just wanted to continue for a little bit longer. I'm 77 now, and I'd just like to be doing it into my 80s. Please, God, if he, if he grants me to stay here. And I'll just turn around and say, hey, thank you. That is fantastic, Jimmy. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates on forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.